Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome back to another Buckeye Talk. We have a trivia question for those who follow us closely on Twitter. You might know the answer, but for the rest of you, see if you can figure this out. One of the three of us had a Twitter fight this week with a frozen food. Who was it and what was the food? And we'll give you a couple seconds to answer. I'm Doug Maurice with Bill Landis and Ari Wasserman. This is Buckeye Talk. You can find us at cleveland.com slash OSU. Ohio State spring game is over. Uh, the NFL draft is coming up. We have some draft preview stuff dropping about the Buckeyes. Uh, we go through and figure out where the three of us would draft each of the draft-eligible Buckeyes. We do little videos on that. We ring a bell. It's very fun. You should guys you should go. Ooh, ooh, sound effect. That's the first sound effect we ever had on Buckeye Talk. Um, so go to cleveland.com and find those. Um, but today is going to be uh, a look at the quarterbacks for Ohio State based off the spring game and based off the idea that they aren't all going to stay. Not when you have four quarterbacks like JT Barrett, Dwayne Haskins, Joe Burrow, and Tate Martell. Um, JT Barrett's going to be gone after this year. He's going to be a fifth-year senior as a starter. And then the three guys behind him are the future. But they all look like they're probably too good to sit. So what's going to happen? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about those three backups um, but first of all, did you answer the trivia question? Who do you think was the three of one of the three of us that got in the fight? And the answer is, I feel like it's <laughs> the only possible answer is me. No, I disagree. If coming in completely, blind, I don't think you knowing, would. You have done the same thing. No, but I would have bet Doug. Oh yeah, Doug gets into Doug fight ratios higher than mine. But your, your Twitter beef ratio, ratio is higher than his. I have more Twitter beefs than Doug? Yeah. I don't have Twitter beef. You have every now and You get like one a year. I like to year. make my fights more personal. Doug, Doug's beef occurs in the direct messages folder. That's true. And it's a he- heck of a lot more hurtful in there than it is out in the open. Let's oh, put yeah. It. I had a really good Twitter beef. That was like eight, seven years ago or something with a person on Twitter that got real, that led to phone calls and F-bombs. Yeah, you guys watched me when you were outside of Giordano's doing it. Yeah. In Chicago, I got into a oh, Twitter yeah. beef with somebody, and it turned into phone calls, and, and I real. screamed at him like I've never screamed at anybody in my entire life. Oh, And okay. like my tears were like coming out of my eyes, but I was shaking. You remember I, that, don't I you? I thought you were having a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> I was screaming. I could not have screamed louder at somebody. That was the loudest I ever screamed at somebody. And by the way, if you're listening, you're still wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer, first part of the question, the answer is Ari. Yes. The second part of the question, the, the frozen food was not frozen peas, not frozen tater tots, frozen 
pizza. Pizza. And not just frozen pizza, but a particular brand of frozen pizza. The worst type, too. It's awful. If Red Baron would have come at me, yeah. I would have been like, okay, I get you, I get you. But So I, I just basically... So here's the thing, and we've talked about this before. Nobody um, is more qualified on the Ohio State beat or any journalism job in general in talking about food in a very specific and detailed manner the way that we do. But as you guys all know, in the months between January... This year was March. I got a late start. And June, <laughs> I try to eat healthy and work out and get myself ready for summer. So I'm doing that right now. And I just was at home fantasizing about what guys fantasize about. And I was fantasizing about ordering a pizza. And I just tweeted for some reason because I have one off-topic tweet, you know, a week, I would say. Is that the ratio or maybe two? Yeah. I, I tweet a lot about rap after midnight, but Doug's sleeping so he can't get mad. <laughs> I uh, And then DiGiorno comes at me. I said, is there anything better than ordering the 30-minute anticipation period of time after you order a pizza? And everybody's like, no, it's awesome, yeah. And then DiGiorno goes, how about the 15 minutes it's in the oven? Out of nowhere. I don't follow him. I don't follow the DiGiorno people. They don't follow me. Maybe they heard about you. I think what they did was they just Googled pizza delivery. (sighs) And they probably just at everybody with pizza delivery. But But you are verified. The blue check does help you get... And it's just like... I think DiGiorno's entire motto is their entire marketing campaign is completely off. And we did invite DiGiorno. Did you not invite DiGiorno? We have not heard back. Us? Okay. Because I, well, I, I was aggressively – I said something out there, and I don't think you'd be want to be my friend anymore after what I said. So I'm not surprised he didn't come on. He might have come on if I didn't drop him, and we'll get to that later. But the one thing I don't understand is it's not delivery. It's DiGiorno. The marketing campaign of them pretending or trying to come at people like their pizza is on par with delivery pizzas misguided. Like yeah. a better slogan for DiGiorno would be always at home or for emergencies or whatever. You have DiGiorno. It's edible. If some, if you made a DiGiorno pizza right now and it was sitting on here, I would eat it. But don't try to take business away from Domino's because it's just not going to happen. So but I want to clear something up. That was a fantasy pizza order? You yes. had not just ordered pizza? I know. Yeah, I didn't know that part of it. That is shocking to me. What self-control? You were just... Self-control. I threw a pizza that came in the trash after that 30 minute of debate. I ordered a pizza and then 30 minutes of debate thinking, why are you doing this? This is bad for you. They delivered it. I paid for it. Took it down to the dumpster and threw it away. That happened before. That happened? Yeah. You have a lot of conflict inside your body. I've got a lot of things going on, and it's just like I either have the best willpower on planet Earth. Like right now, if you ordered pizza and like rubbed it all over my face, I wouldn't eat it. But if you did that in October, I would eat the whole pizza before you opened the box. I thought we were going to get pizza today. Yeah, I was looking forward to it. I mean, you can get it. <clears throat> Not the I'm good. Though. Okay, so we'll get into a, a deeper philosophical frozen pizza discussion later in the episode because we are trying to appeal to our two audiences. There is some overlap, but we have our fast food uh, bad for you food audience, which is far more vocal. Let's put it that way. I yeah. think more people are interested in the fast food food discussions than they are in Ohio State football. We hope you come for both. But we would like to. We do acknowledge that at the moment, at least, more people come for football. That might change at some point yeah. if we become known as the place for fast food talk. But we are going to talk about football. We'll get back to frozen pizza. I can just imagine, like our boss, like we could get T-shirts that said that. We're going to talk about football. We'll get back to frozen pizza. Fuck, I talk. <clears throat> Joe Burrow, Dwayne Haskins. I think it should be the other way around. Though. I'm actually envisioning like an alternate podcast, and I'm trying to come up with clever names right now. 
for the food one. The okay. podcast? podcast. I, I sent a, I sent an email to Chipotle through their PR, through their website, like to their PR people asking someone to come on our podcast. And I mentioned that we did do a separate podcast at one point. Um, and I have not heard back from them yet either. But, but, but that's our strategy for the summer. Maybe get some fast food guests on here. Anyway, quarterbacks for now. We're going to ignore JT Barrett. And let's ignore JT Barrett with this caveat. We're not wrapping up the spring game. We may do some things later on this. But we really wanted to talk quarterbacks because we ended up having a quarterback discussion at the spring game on Saturday. But, Bill, you wrote a story at Cleveland.com about the idea that this game was not about JT Barrett. Nobody should really get too riled up either way, right, about JT Barrett. Mm-hmm. So this quarterback discussion we want to have today is not really about JT Barrett. So give us, like, the quick JT Barrett spring game synopsis that you wrote for Cleveland.com. He was fine. He was fine. Like that's, I was wrong, and I think anyone who thought that JT Barrett's game was going to be anything more than what it was, were wrong. Um, it wasn't going to be a day where JT Barrett was going to throw the ball forty times and show you some big arm that you didn't know that he had and throw seven touchdown passes. That's not what starting quarterbacks do. They take fifteen snaps. They don't get hurt. They take their helmet off, and they're done. And that's what a spring game was. Um, I don't think there was any part of it that looked bad. He threw an interception that wasn't his fault. Someone got pushed into him. Um, I thought he looked a little more accurate maybe than he did last year, had a little more zip on the ball, and that was about it. He was okay. He didn't look terrible. So I guess like in the end and in retrospect, the thing you could have hoped for is that he wouldn't look terrible, he didn't look terrible, and you sort of move on and, and focus more on him in the fall. I th- so, well, I think the biggest – about JT Barrett, and we did this a podcast the day after Ohio State's lost to Clemson in the playoff – and I think there was some sort of vision from fans, or maybe a desire would be a better word, to have an open quarterback competition. And even though the spring game, and we've known this for weeks, wasn't what you would have seen from Barrett, I think it's just another reminder that Ohio State has its quarterback, and all of that two-quarterback system, could-you-replace-JT discussion that we had in Phoenix after that happened probably is a little misguided. I think at this point it's probably safe to assume that Ohio State's going to run with JT and they're going to live and die by whatever he does. And I think that that is a pretty important and relevant lesson to at least acknowledge heading into the summer. Coincidentally, uh, Kevin Wilson, the new offensive coordinator, was specifically asked about a two-quarterback system after the spring game. He spoke with us very briefly. uh, And Ohio State assistant coaches are actually going to speak to the media on Wednesday. So this... This podcast should go live Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, somewhere in there. We are going to have more information from assistant coaches. So, again, go back to Cleveland.com this week to read some stories on what assistant coaches had to say about wrapping up the spring. But he said he's like Kevin Wilson philosophically is against the idea of playing two quarterbacks because all he thinks it does is like make you look over your shoulder. And he referenced Ohio, that Ohio State has done it before and it didn't go very well. So I still – I think there would be room for something, not not a split. It's not a system, a package. But a package. That's correct. That's the correct phrasing. I think there would be room for something just to put defense – give defenses something else to think about. Because honestly – and I think this is a podcast for later on this summer. I don't – I still don't know what about Ohio State's offense would scare a defense. So I'm just going to. So if you had a Haskins package or a Burrow package or a Martell package or something 
that planted a seed that's something else they have to prepare for, whatever, I don't think that would be crazy. Now, I'm not, I don't think it's going to happen, and, you, and you're right. I don't, that's not the way they're going. But I, I just wanted to say I don't think that will be crazy. And it was far less crazy when we discussed it initially. Because they just got shut out. They just got shut out. JT looked bad. Fan base, he said he was coming back after the Fiesta Bowl, basically, and fans were negative about that. Mm -hmm. And if you would have said after JT Barrett's freshman year, when he broke all those records, he's going to be here for four years, I think people would have been like, deal. You know? So, um, but I think that that, it probably makes the most sense. And the the thing that, I, I still find this, what do you do with JT Barrett if he's not the best quarterback discussion very fascinating? And I had a discussion with somebody. I was actually out uh, in the short north, and somebody recognized me. It's happening a lot lately. They didn't think Man. it was Joel Hale. They it's either Joel Hale, but no, it happened a lot. Oh, it's happened. God, like, I got to tell you guys, you know, I am just getting recognized left and right. I'm getting in fights with frozen food. It is not easy being Ari Wasserman right now. Girl, I'm interested in moving into my apartment complex. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I meant I didn't mean that arrogantly. I'm just saying it's just like I don't know if it's the fade or the beard, or, <laughs> Bill. Um, but what was I saying? He the said oh, the thing that we were talking about was even if you find that Dwayne Haskins or Joe Burrow is actually better by five percent, by ten percent, by fifteen percent than JT Barrett is the distance between how much better the backup is right now than JT Barrett worth the potential of ripping your team apart over things. And Doug, you were on the beat when the Beckman-Terrell Pryor thing happened because really, if you go back into the history of Ohio State football, the only time I can recall, and I'm not talking about the 40s because I don't know anything about that, but that would it's only happened once where a senior who led a team for multiple years or for more than one year got benched for somebody younger. And that didn't turn out well. And do you take the risk of maybe upsetting half of the team to be 15% better? Because I don't think Dwayne Haskins is 50% better than him. No. I think he, if he's better than him, or if Joe Burrow's better than him, I think it's a marginal better. Do you risk making things awkward? I mean, it's... <clears throat> so the Beckman year... So Todd Beckman was the starter in 2007... Led Ohio State to the national championship game against LSU. They lost to LSU. He came back. A lot of guys who could have gone pro, Todd Beckman wasn't in that group who could have gone pro, but a lot of guys who could have gone pro came back then in 2008. They came back because they had lost two straight national championship games. They wanted to get over the top, and Todd Beckman came back as the quarterback, and they clashed with the freshman class led by Terrell Pryor and was Jim Trestle's best recruiting class. Um, And they went to USC, Early in the year, got lit up, lost 35-3, to and Jim Trestle changed quarterbacks from Todd Beckman to Terrell Pryor. It started out with Terrell Pryor having, like, a package. He had played early on, but he wasn't the guy. Jim Trestle made the switch. And that made even more sense, I think, then, because the distinct yes. traits of the two quarterbacks were... Not the distinct traits. The traits were distinctive, di- distinctively different. And that's the thing that usually happened, is you have one quarterback, and then you have a second quarterback who's more of a runner. I mean, that's normally how this goes, that one guy is more of a pocket passer and you want to give defenses a different look with a guy who can move around a little bit. Clearly, that was the case with uh, Beckman and Terrell Pryor. It was the case with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. When Urban Joe Germain and Stanley Jackson for your Ohio State fans. So that switch divided that team, for sure. Now, that team didn't have a terrible year. You know, they lost uh, to USC. They lost to Penn State during the regular season. 
Uh, and then they went, they had two losses in the regular season, went to the Fiesta Bowl, went to a BCS Bowl, and lost to Texas in the last minute, Colt McCoy in Texas. So it wasn't like they fell apart. Um, and they had already lost the game, the USC, that probably ruined their national championship hopes anyway. But that it is dicey. You can divide a team, and that team got divided between the older guys and the younger guys. There was That's probably the greatest clash that I've seen on my time on the beat between two factions of a team. Um, so I do think there would be danger there. And it's not because the question is not, is the backup better than JT Barrett? The question is, does the backup make the team better? Right. And that's not the same question. Right. And how the team would react to a change would absolutely factor in anything like that. I, I like, I'm like 50 50. I'm like, I don't, I don't want it to happen because I don't really care what happens. But having that discussion would be so fascinating and so much work for us to do if that JT Barrett gets benched in any game this year. I'm not going to sleep in the fall. Yeah. So, but also it would just it would be interesting. And I think let's let's be honest with each other here. We cover Ohio State football because the people who watch Ohio State football view it and associate it with entertainment. <laughs> and I don't know. Maybe sometimes a soap opera once every decade wouldn't be uh, the end of the world. But it just, they're fresh off a we're fresh yeah. off a quarterback so far. It's pretty yeah, yeah. far removed. Yeah. That one was actually yeah. A little bit different, but just the idea of a senior getting benched after that senior has done as much as JT Barrett has done is just, it's almost incomprehensible, except for it did happen before. So, I mean, I do... But Beckman wasn't Barrett either. I mean... No, 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 no. Beckman Beckman wasn't Barrett, and these guys, none of the backups are Terrell Pryor, to be fair. Yeah. Um, But I think the the biggest mistake Urban Meyer has made as the coach at Ohio State, where he is 61 and 6, and he hasn't made very many mistakes, is the way he handled that quarterback situation. I don't think, I don't think that that wasn't just a mistake that you put in a loss column. That was a season mistake. Because I think you could go back in in 20 years, and if you look back, and and we're not big fans at Cleveland.com of is this the best ever, but I think that that team that he made that mistake with, when you look back at Ohio State uh, in 20 years and look at everything, that might be the most talented team. There were some teams there in the 90s that, you know, in 2002 had a lot of talent, but that might be the most talented. The fact that that team didn't make the playoff is a huge blunder, in my opinion. That'll be one of those things when people do retrospectives, like 20 years of the college football playoff, the best teams that didn't make the playoff in the playoff era. You're going to have to go pretty hard to top that team with the NFL talent they had. That they were the defending national. Because you found out what they had. You knew what they had going into the year, but you really found out when you saw how the draft went. Seventeen draft picks. Right? So yeah, something like that. Yeah. So I mean, that's. So I don't think Urban Meyer is going to go down a road. He, the last thing Urban Meyer wants to do is go down a road that has anything to do with quarterback controversy. So. Like, I could drop a hypothetical on you guys right now. Let's do it. It's fun. That's what podcasts are for. I know, but I want to get to, like, are the, is anybody going to leave? All right, let me I'm drop. afraid that we're not going to have okay. enough to say anyway, so... Here's a hypothetical. Here's a hypothetical. Podcast is synonym for hypothetical. Ohio State <laughs> opens on the road on a Thursday night at Indiana. It's going to be this big thing where it's going to be this Ohio State offense that's been enhanced by Kevin Wilson going back to the school that he just got fired at, basically. Maybe the word wasn't fired, but he was asked to leave as the head coach there, and now he's going back with this new, people think, high-flying offense, right? So Ohio State goes back, and JT Barrett is average. JT Barrett, we see a new JT Barrett who's taken more risks, which we all think is good. We are all, I think, going to hit the point repeatedly at some point about how 
Throwing interceptions is not always a bad thing. We think he didn't take enough risks last year. So JT Barrett goes to Indiana. They will try to make a point. He misses a bunch of deep balls. He's a little inaccurate. It seems like he's trying too hard. And Ohio State beats Indiana 24-21. And JT Barrett is 19 of 42 for 211 yards with one touchdown and two picks. And they, they find a way to win, but it is not easy. Ohio State comes back the next week against Oklahoma. Oklahoma comes to Columbus. Oklahoma is going to be a top-five team. I don't know anything about Oklahoma's defense, but they had Baker Mayfield. JT Barrett, people are going to couch this as some kind of quarterback showdown. And JT Barrett comes out and throws four picks. This is a really deep hypothetical. (laughs) Looks lost. Looks like they cannot. He's hesitant on some short passes. He looks like he's forcing himself to try to make plays. He's now, all of a sudden, he's a little reluctant to run because he's trying to stay in the pocket and make throws. And all of a sudden, he sort of loses what he does best. They start, Kevin Wilson's trying to call throws. We all made fun of, I always make fun of him for calling draws on third and seven. Guess what? Those third and seven draws work a lot of the time. All of a sudden, they're going off the field on third and seven. They're getting a bunch of three and outs because they're trying to throw on third and seven instead of running him. He's inaccurate. And Ohio State gets waxed. And JT Barrett looks uncomfortable. Give us a hypothetical final. And the score is 35-7. to 7. And the offense, it, it is very similar. And all anybody can talk about is how it looks like the Clemson game. The 31-0 Clemson game. They're now 1-1 one and one with a close win and a big loss. It's possible that Oklahoma might be the best team in the country. So you are not out of the playoff race. But I think you, you are, are out of the of... playoff race if you lose like that. There. No, you're not. They lost Virginia Tech, Virginia Tech, South Dakota. If you lose to a great team. I feel team, like losing by a lot is the reason why. I mean, I know Penn, we're not going to go down the playoff discussion, but I feel like when you get but, waxed, it kind of. But also the thing, the thing that the committee we're gonna get likes. To it. Change. Cha- the committee <laughs> likes change. Honestly, in the eyes of the committee, your best chance is we're not that team anymore. By the time you get to the end of the regular season, I think you can overcome any loss. But I think you have a better chance to overcome it if part of your argument is we aren't that team anymore. So the question now is... the best way to not be that team anymore is to be playing a different quarterback. So so what's the breakdown? Is there any way... That Ohio State tries something different at quarterback. In my opinion, yeah. the entire thing would be for the better of the team, right? And I, in that scenario, the best thing for the team is probably throwing JT under the bus. And I don't know if that's the wrong way to put it, but it's just make a change, put Dwayne or Haskins or Joe Burrow in, get on a roll, and then in 10 weeks, if you haven't lost, then you can go back. Because to me, if the final score of your hypothetical was 21-17... to 17, I might be less or more reluctant to make that change because I still think that you could convince the committee you're different even with JT. But if you get waxed, the only shot you have, in my in my humble opinion, to making the playoff at the end of the year is to have a different quarterback, and I think you would almost need to if you still had designs of going to the postseason to play for a title. So, yes, I would make a change. You save your season by creating the drama because you've already lost everything at that point. Because we're talking about you don't want to risk anything. You don't want to risk dividing the team. You don't want to do all that stuff. You lose 35-7. to 7, Everything's out, out the window at that point. you got to salvage. I think that, that your hypothetical is 
not as difficult as I thought it would be. I If you lose and it's JT Barrett's fault that you lose, he's not the quarterback anymore. He's been around long enough that he, if he's not different in the first two games of the 2017 season and you end up losing to Oklahoma in the second week of the season at home and it's his fault, he's not the quarterback anymore. Your hypothetical is basically the only scenario that I can imagine where that could happen. But that hypothetical, by the way, does not look very different from the end of last season. Like, you barely beat Michigan State in a low-scoring game right now. There was a lot of wind. Nobody threw the ball well in that game. But you have that. You barely beat Northwestern at home in a game where Northwestern's offense looks more dynamic than your offense. They have the Michigan game we all know about, double overtime and all that. They found a way to win that from coming from behind. And then you go get waxed by a really good team. And Oklahoma, I don't know anything about Oklahoma's defense. And Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams and everybody on that Clemson offense, Clemson has some defenders that made Ohio State's offensive life a living hell in the, in the playoff. So I don't know what Oklahoma has on defense right now. But I'm saying, like, that scenario, a close win against a mediocre Big Ten opponent and then getting killed by a national power is basically what the second half of Ohio State's season was last year. Yeah, but there's a colossal difference in the fact that you have nine months to supposedly get JT Barrett ready for his next test. Oh, no, I know, but I'm... There's also a colossal difference in the talent between the two teams that have done that to Ohio State and where the game's being played. But I just also... All I'm doing is defending my hypothetical to anybody who would say, well, there's no... Nice hypothetical. There's no chance that would happen. I'm saying, like... Oh, no, I... Oh, yeah. That has already happened. All we're doing is replicating the end of last year in the beginning of this coming. Ohio State losing 31 to nothing is the worst loss that I think we've seen at Ohio State since the USC losses, right? Maybe Florida? First time they got shut out since 1993, I think it was, right? But the discrepancy in the fact that they weren't even in the game. I can't remember more than two or three times where Ohio State's lost in my lifetime where they weren't in the game. Yeah, no, I think think the 35 to 3 at USC in 2008 that led to the end of Todd yeah. Beckman's time at quarterback would be the last time that And happened. that was done on the road. But, like, it's the same exact scenario, and I think that that hypothetical, if it were to come true, and I think all three of us agree that it probably won't happen, but it's feasible that it could. If it did, I think there would be a change. You too, Bill? 100%, yeah. Because it's not – you lose 31 to nothing to Clemson – there's no urgency to get it fixed. Your season's over. So it's like, yeah, that sucked. Our quarterback isn't as good as we need him to be, but we have spring ball, summer, August camp to get it fixed. You lose to Oklahoma, as much as Irvin Meyer says we play for Big Ten championships and whatever comes after that, like they're in the business of making the playoff. And if your quarterback's clearly not good enough to get you to the playoff because you just lost to a playoff-caliber team at home and you didn't look close doing it, you need a new quarterback. It's, I, I think it's like pretty cut and dry. Here's the thing that I think is interesting about that hypothetical. And that's like, again, like when, sometimes when you talk, you just realize you're thinking of things as you're talking. I hadn't thought of it this way, but it seems like Ohio State, they want to throw the ball down the field more, right? Yeah. Urban Meyer wants to do that. Kevin Wilson wants to do that, right? They've talked in the spring, and again, you guys were around more than I was, but they've talked, right, that it looked good doing that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what JT Barrett does best? No. No. So if they think we need, as a team, we need to throw the ball down the field for our offense to be at its most effective, that was a component we were missing last year. We must do that. If it somehow turns out that that is a must and JT Barrett is not the most qualified guy to make that must 
happen. Dwayne Haskins made some throws in the spring game, man. Like, he looks like a guy who could take that part of it and make it happen. Now, as we've said a thousand times, the most important part of a quarterback's job at Ohio State is running the zone read, running the offense, doing all that stuff. So could Joe Burrow and or Dwayne Haskins do all that other stuff that JT Barrett does best? I don't know. But it's possible that when we're talking about that component that we're talking about so much, JT Barrett's not the best man for the job for that component. Could they run 2014 Michigan offense and 2014 Wisconsin-Clemson-Oregon offense at the same time in the same year? I'm talking about regular season JT, postseason Cardale, same year, same team, same players, different offenses. Can they run them at the same time with could different Could JT Barrett be... Could they, be if they had a two-quarterback thing or they had a package, could they run both at the same time? Like, are you talking about if they shared the quarterback job and Dwayne Haskins was Cardale and JT right. was JT, and whatever they needed to do to win in that game, they did? And it's just like, even if Dwayne Haskins is on the field, you're not telegraphing a pass is coming, you're just showing that they're more capable of doing it. You can still run the ball. I just have always been curious of, like, why does it have to be one or the other? And like then if, I know you're going down the path of multiple quarterbacks, and we just said that's not going to happen, but I do think that there is, if your offense changes a little bit, or your the philosophy of your offense changes with the quarterback that you have in the game, I don't understand why you can't have different philosophies of offense with different personnel groups in the same year. Like, if you think we're playing a defense, okay, we're going to start off with JT Barrett and Mike Weber, and we're going to run, run. I mean, we're going to do what we do, right? And if that works... And that's what we're going to keep doing. But we are ready if we think we have to throw and throw down the field to win in this game. We're like putting Dwayne Haskins and in. And do you want to know what I'm thinking of when, you, when we're talking about this? I'm thinking of the Virginia Tech loss at home. JT Barrett's second game. They couldn't beat the Bear, right? They right. couldn't throw the ball downfield, and they couldn't break man coverage, and they couldn't get any, anything to complete downfield. I mean, they couldn't protect JT Barrett. Yeah, I mean, I, I know it's a little bit more complex than I'm making it, but I'm thinking, like, in that scenario, if they ran into a situation where they couldn't break the defense with the pass, what if they had a remedy on the sideline who could come in and do the things that JT can't do to beat that specific defense Almost on the like same team? They won the championship that year. That it's not a quarterback share, but it's like, JT's our quarterback. But if we reach a point in a game where we feel like we're not being successful with this game plan, we have another we have game to plan. change the game plan. The best quarterback to execute this switch in the game, plan game plan is this other quarterback. So he's coming in, and then and the it's next like they're not. Week, if we go back and we think the best game plan is JT and Mike Weber, we're going back to that. Right, right. And it's like you're not switching your quarterback; you're switching your offense. Like I'm all like I'm <laughs> buy, I'm buying that. I'm buying that. And that's what that's what we now you just said not, like that's not a package that's not a package that's a quarterback like would it be crazy system. like if a team could have like the 06 Florida Chris League spread and then like Tim Tebow could run the eye like I've always just been fascinated but I know that it's a lot you got to drill plays and practice drill them drill them drill them until you can do them when you're asleep why can't Navy run the spread sometimes. Like we've got the triple line in the pass block. I'm just saying, like if you came into a game where you're capable of running the triple option that well, and then you had like 12 plays you've mastered out of a different formation that was a completely different type of offense, could you imagine preparing for Navy if you had to prepare for both? And I just always wonder, like, no. nobody's ever in the history of college football that I'm aware of ran two different styles of offense ever. Like, why could not? 
could Ohio State not run half of Michigan's offense? Because <clears throat> you only have them 20 hours a week. Yeah. You can do it in the NFL. You can't do it. they got to go to class. You have 20 hours a week, and you're, unless you're talking unless about you're, installing two game plans every week. Yeah. I don't well, think the game you plan, really, I don't yeah, think no, you I know. I'm just feeling like maybe, maybe the second team or – Is it like a whole – It's a. I'm not, saying that, swap. I'm not saying a whole Eleven guys swap. practice one game plan during the week, and eleven <laughs> guys practice the other. Game Ohio plan. State runs how many offensive plays? Fifteen total in know. a year. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm getting. A, I We're a little off top. Let's just second. put it this way: I'm really good at Madden. Okay, <laughs> but he's average. This would be feeding, feeding something that does exist in some portion of the Ohio State fan base, which is they could not have won the national title in 2014 without the change in quarterbacks that they were forced to make. I don't think that's theory either. I think that might be fact. Well, no, well I mean, fact. you can't say. I think, no, you're right. Not I get everyone it. subscribes to that theory. I'm not so sure that I subscribe to that theory. I think that people who would know better than us subscribe to the theory. I know who you're talking about. Okay, so this yeah. would feed that idea. It almost would be like, well, with against Rutgers, and I'm not – I feel like we just did a half an hour of like why JT Barrett's not good. That's not what we're saying. But if you think JT Barrett and Mike Weber run, 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 zone read, zone read, sprinkling a little bit of this and that can beat Rutgers in Maryland and, and Illinois and, and UNLV and Army and Iowa and whatever – but to beat Oklahoma, to beat Penn State, to beat Michigan, you have got to threaten people with a deep ball passing game. Maybe it's like you got to switch because we're really good at this one thing, but that one thing's not going to beat great teams. So we have to have this other thing ready. The other thing is higher upside and a greater chance for failure. But if we only do the thing we're good at, we're not going to win anyway. So we got to take some risks. Because we said, right, our build-up to Clemson was they can't do the same thing they've been doing and win. We thought they would change, right, and attack down the field more. And they either didn't or were unable to, and they got shut out. So if you have that in your head, we can't win. We're not going to win the national title unless we're able to do that. Then you have to have a plan ready to do that, and maybe the yeah. plan to do that is not the starting quarterback. I, I don't like think – yeah, yeah, this, like, this is not what we set up really to talk about. But <laughs> At I, all. Um, but let's let, – I just want to like – the idea I, – I think JT Barrett can be better. I like. I think I, – and I know Urban Meyer says it all the time. Maybe that's why it's in my head. He was exactly the quarterback that needed him to be in that 2014 Michigan State game. Why can't he be that again? Why is it just but they, a but fact to, that he can't be that again? But to, to be – to counterpoint that, I agree. I – Agree with you. I think he can be better. They needed him to be better for Clemson, and he wasn't. We, this is the same thing we right, said. Right, 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 right. It, and it's not, it's not just him. It's not about whether or not – I think we all know he's physically capable of it, right? Right. Because yeah. we've seen it. It's just a matter of what happened, what changed. It's the same thing with the accuracy thing. Accuracy thing where people in his freshman year when he was racking up 500 yards of offensive game saying he's not accurate. And I just don't know how you lose accuracy. Because your footwork gets crappy because yeah. you were running for your – they could not block anybody last year. That's a fact. They couldn't protect the quarterback. And when you can't protect the quarterback and he's I shuffling think, his feet, guess what? I his think that is, are less And accurate. they had no receivers who helped him out. I think plays. with a better offensive line, a more advanced offensive game plan that's different, 
and him being a senior, I would anticipate that Ohio State's offense is going to be better than they saw last year. No, and, and again, but that's and that's the thing we've talked about. We think it's going to be better based on the idea that all the same guys are back, and they switch coaches, and they're just going to be better. So the thing, and then we'll yeah. get to the thing we actually said we're going to talk about. We still have pizza to get to. Ooh. The thing that I think is the most interesting thing is, let's say the protection is better. Let's say the receivers are better. Let's say the game plan and the play calling are better, right? Those are the three parts of the passing game that JT Barrett can't control. Mm-hmm. And all three of those were issues a year ago. Clearly, right? No one's arguing that the receivers, the offensive line, or the play calling were good enough, okay? Let's say all those, those three components all change and are better. And he's not. That's the question. Because I don't think yeah. anybody would argue with your point, Bill, that – and Urban Meyer's only said it a thousand times. And Kevin Wilson said it. They, every coach says it a thousand times. And we all know that. The quarterbacks get too much credit and too much blame. They are a component of the passing game. They aren't the whole passing game. And there were problems all over the place last year. But if the receivers are getting open and running good routes and the pass protection is there and they're calling better plays and guys are open and he's not hitting them, that's when I think this question that we've – suddenly got sucked into for the last 30 minutes, that's when it gets interesting. Well, that's when you know That's when you know for a fact that JT Barrett is not good enough. I, I can't sit here and say that he's not good enough based off the last two years when I don't think he was put in much of a position to be successful. I agree. He was in 14, and he was awesome in 14. He finished fifth in the Heisman voting. He had good talent around him. He had good coaching around him, and he played well. And 2015 was a mess. 2016, the talent around him wasn't good enough. And the reason he's getting this leash that people think he shouldn't get and the reason he's a starting quarterback, no questions asked, is because the coaching staff thinks that everyone's going to develop and get better. So I think you have to accept that until we can watch it on August 31st when it gets Indiana. And if it looks like everyone's better and he's not, then it's time to have a conversation. And I completely agree that he should get the leash. I think he will be better. But I would put the like the hypothetical that I put out there, what percentage chance of something like that happening? Would you say there is of, of that oh. those first two games go to some degree to the idea of they're one and one and JT hasn't looked great? I don't think that's like zero percent. No, I think it's like uh, like twenty. That's exactly the number I was going to say, and I, because I don't think it's five. No, it's, yeah, it's. I it's, don't think it's two. It's greater than you think it is. I don't think it's like crazy. I think twenty is a good percent. I don't think it's going to happen. But I do not think it's impossible because I, I, I believe JT Barrett will be better and I believe JT Barrett is good. But I am not 100% sure of that. And okay. I'm not 95% sure. Okay, now, is that a good way to end? And oh. let's go to the topic now? Is this the, pizza, tra- minutes. Is this the pizza transition? I think we should go Tate Tate Martell 10 minutes on Tate Martell, Dwayne Haskins, and uh, Joe Burrow. So Tate, this is the thesis. What's the thesis? Here's the first question, and I'll let you guys punch each other in the face over this for five minutes. But I think you might agree. Are Tate Martell, Joe Burrow, and Dwayne Haskins all good enough to be starting quarterbacks in major college football in their careers? Yeah. Expand. Yes, on the first two, we know nothing about Martell yet. But yeah, uh, I think it's easy to – I thought he looked really good in the spring game in his limited time. I, I think I would say yes too, but yeah, Mar- Martell, like he got—I don't even know what he got—four snaps in the spring game. He runs, he can run. Like I'm confident in knowing that he can run as a quarterback in college football. I'll put faith in the fact that he can throw it. 
considering where he was ranked as a recruit and how successful he was. And he put, some, he he put one baseball. pass in the end zone that was pretty nice. He threw two balls I'm over just saying, yeah. for the sake of devil's advocate, don't crown him a starter just yet, but given the fact he had an offer from everybody in the country and he yeah. looked pretty good, I think it's safe to say that, yes, all three of them are yeah. good enough. Because here's the thing. There are two types of backup quarterbacks that exist in college football. There are the guys who know they are backups and are never going to be more than backups. And obviously everybody's a competitor and everybody wants to start, but they're not looking to transfer if they don't start because they have a somewhat realistic view of the deal and they're going to be prepared to fill in if they need to be, but they know that they're probably never going to be the answer. Kenny Guyton is a perfect example of this. He was a last-minute recruit who was, I think, shocked to find himself at Ohio State. And guess what? When they needed him, he was great. But Kenny Guyton was never going to leave because he thought, man, I'm the guy. I got to go leave and be a starter somewhere, right? He was an ideal college backup quarterback, as it turned out. Stephen Collier was this kind of guy as well. I knew now, that name was hot. I knew that was coming up. He never had the chance to play, okay, because they never needed him, all right? But And the one time they possibly could have needed him, they like, Jalen Marshall. on putting Jalen Marshall at quarterback. But Stephen Collier was not so hepped up on the idea of, I need to play, I need to play, I need to play, that he was going to leave this place to go search for a starting job, okay? The other kind of backup is the young guy who's going to be the starter and is biding his time behind the current starter. The problem at Ohio State is, I think they have three of those guys. Yeah. And is- you can't have three of those guys when they're all stacked up on top of each other like this. Do you- do you think – I don't mean to cut you off. Is it possible that they thought Joe Burrow was that guy and he is better than they thought he would be? 100% possible. Joe Burrow, I think, was a must recruit for them. They had screwed up some quarterback recruiting in that area. We had been critical of them of shooting for the stars on all national guys and gotten caught with their recruiting pants down. And they went after a three-star kid in Ohio who was Mr. Football – was the son of a football coach, is exactly the kind of guy that Ohio State still should be recruiting as they go after these national guys. And it's very possible that they thought Joe Burrow was going to be Kenny Guyton. And he, I don't think it's impossible that he ends up being that, but I think Joe Burrow probably is better than that. And I think he even moved up the recruiting ratings after yeah. he had committed to Ohio State. But do you, I mean, do you guys think that? I do, yeah. I, I, when he committed to Ohio State, I thought he was exactly that, and maybe one day he'd get to play. But I envisioned that being like as a fifth-year senior, like when he finally like bided his time as long as it could, and there was an opening for him. I think from what we've seen in the spring game, and maybe we're getting too far ahead of ourselves. If he was Ohio State starting quarterback right now, I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. I think he's good enough. I agree. I hundred percent. If he, you basically have predicted that he's going to be the starting quarterback before JT leaves it. He was not. I watched him play in high school, and he was way better than I thought he would be. I was very impressed watching him in high school, and that sort of just carried through to what we've seen now. He was fine and when he like, played. And like you think... He that, pointed this out. He's 2-0 in spring games. He's Unbeaten. He's 6-3. And and he, I mean, point, he pointed it out. He said 2-0 in spring games. Not bad. 6-3. <laughs> pretty big size. Very move. Yeah. Good arm. I mean, Absolutely yeah. can move. Yeah. Absolutely can throw, right? Throws it... Probably at least as well as JT. Maybe not Maybe not better, but as well. So this falls under, by the way, like we're not criticizing anybody here. This falls under the what a great problem to have. But we're just trying to give you a realistic view of this because Joe Burrow is currently in his third year. In the fall, Joe Burrow will be in his third year at Ohio State as a redshirt sophomore. 
Dwayne Haskins will be in his second year as a redshirt freshman, and Tate Martell will be in his first year as a true freshman. And you just don't normally have guys lined up like that. And so, and the freshman, in my opinion, probably, if I had to guess, is the one that wants to play the most. The most. <laughs> <laughs> you think he wants to play more than Haskins? I mean, I think they all want to. Everybody wants to play. I think he is probably, I think the word I would use is patient. I think you develop an understanding of your status. Like, Dwayne Haskins probably wanted to play the second he got here. Yeah. And he realized it takes a little bit. Tate Martell doesn't know any better, so he probably Because, like, in the recruiting stuff. process, a kid can just go, yeah, I know, you got a red shirt and take your time. But I think when you get here, they forget that. And then they have when to When you get here it. and see, like, you're not quite, like, the discrepancy between the starter and you is not quite the gap you thought it would be. Then you're like, oh, I should be playing. Yeah. Okay. Because it's like, yeah. So let me, let me, so, okay, so now the reason we're talking about this is because we've now established the fact that they have three backup quarterbacks who are lined up in three straight years that we all think are good enough to play major college football as a starting quarterback. So what's going to happen? I don't know. Oh, there's no I don't know in a podcast. Sorry, I just thought about Emory Jones. That's being, being thrown into that. Mix. By the way, so is this? I mean, like, I, here's one thing that I think is going to happen. I like, I don't know anything, but I don't think Emory Jones is going to end up here. I don't. I all agree, and that's not insider information. If you just told me to predict, I would agree with you. It doesn't make sense, Ari. It doesn't make sense, but I don't know if I would say that. Okay, so uh, everybody thinks that. By the way, everybody thinks he's not going to end up here. Every casual fan who is just doing the arithmetic. Yeah. Of, they were doing, yeah. You know, I, I think that... I don't think it would be terrible if he didn't come. Oh, I think it would actually be a good thing. It would like, bring some clarity. I think that you should take a five-star quarterback who's like Emory Jones a thousand percent of the time. But what I don't think they should do is if Emory Jones flips out of the class... Here's a little bit of a recruiting insight, you know. I don't think they should go try to recruit... Stephen Collier again. I think they should just use the scholarship in another position. What? They don't need a quarterback every year, do they? But That's the whole thing. That. They always did. They, they talk about this. They yeah. want one in every class. <laughs> and I guess the fear of it would be Emory Jones doesn't commit. We don't recruit another quarterback. Joe Burrow or Dwayne Haskins transfer, then you're in trouble. So I think they always want to safeguard themselves from not having a third quarterback that is at least capable. I think, yeah. So you always have to do whatever you can, even if it means eating up a scholarship, to put a body in there. But I think I wrote about Stephen Collier at the end. I will never understand the necessity of his scholarship being on the books for four years. So, so let me ask this then. Do before – now, and do, I don't know is not going to be a satisfactory answer by the end of the podcast. I want predictions no, from all three of you on what you think all is happening. All three of us, huh? Oh. I'm trying to lose weight, myself. Doug. <laughs> <laughs> What do you think Ohio State thinks is going to happen? Do you think Ohio State is operating under the assumption that somebody's going to leave? And by the way, part of the reason that spurred this is Chris Spielman tweeted this, that he thought Haskins and Burrow looked so good that he is operating under the assumption Chris that Spielman gets some credit, college football analyst, but that's, he thinks one of them. Now, now, that's not a hard opinion to have, Yeah, but I mean, this is not just three ding-dongs sitting in Ari's, around Ari's ottoman saying this. It's pleather, too, the ottoman. Um, what do you think Ohio State thinks? I think Ohio State probably is operating under the assumption that one's going to leave. Whoever loses next year. Because let's be, it's, it's Haskins versus Burrow. As good as we think Martell is, I don't think he's actually a It is Haskins versus Burrow 100%. And that's why I think it's possible that Martell is the one who leaves. 
the kid who committed to three different places at once who wants to play and has a big personality and a star factor quality to him, if Dwayne Haskins wins the job next year and then he's the starter for the next two or three, well, how many years would he have left? Just one. No, he has no, two. No, Haskins is a redshirt freshman. They're both. Joe Burrow can go to the NFL next year if he wants to. And Haskins, if he's a starter next year, he can go too. I know, but I'm saying that if you're Tate Martell and you lose to a guy who has two years of eligibility left, you might think, I could go start for Miami right now. I and guess bail. I don't know. But then again, you got to do the transfer redshirt right, year. The... And it, but it just, I'm just saying that you should, and again, we're not implying that we think or know or are predicting anybody's going to leave. I think you need to be open to the possibility that all three of them are on the could-leave block. Well, let me ask this question. Do you think it's possible that, I'm assuming at the end of fall camp, Ohio State will, uh, I don't know if they'll declare it publicly, but the quarterbacks will know who the number two quarterback is. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that the guy between Burrow and Haskins, who's not the number two quarterback this year, leaves the next day? Yes. That would make more sense Because you would leave and sit out this year as your transfer year. Yeah. And then you could be somebody's starter next year. Like Torrance when can Gibson. you transfer? Can you transfer like in fall camp? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if you would have to. Uh, it might depend on the school you transfer and their academic calendar. You might not be able to get in on their I mean, academic you could just, calendar. You could also transfer to a smaller school, right? And then Go JUCO. And yeah, go JUCO and then yeah. be back in the cycle. But then be able to be on the football field in 2018. And by the way, when you go JUCO, you're playing. Yep. That's, I mean, I would imagine that's probably what would happen. Yeah, yeah. The idea of how can you keep getting all these quarterbacks to commit and sign doesn't make sense in theory. But they keep doing it. So I think that that would be – because why would you – so I'm going to sit here. Okay, I lost the competition now. So now I'm number three this season. And then next year they're going to say it's a quarterback battle, but I already battled this guy once and lost. So now I'm going to come back and battle again. And if I lose, now I'm number two and now I'm another year. So then if I transfer then, now I've lost another mm-hmm. year. Because if you're – I mean the number three guy is not going to play this year. I mean if both of them stick out – and nobody leaves, that means that one of them has to be content never playing in their career, probably. Right. Yeah. And that's why we're having the com- the conversation to begin with, because I don't think any of them have the personality of, well, I tried, I'm not playing ever. So here's what I think, is this possible? Is it possible, and I think it's, there's only one way this would happen, is it possible that two end up leaving? But, I mean, in general, or... Before this season, before the not before this season, but here's my scenario: Dwayne Haskins wins the number two job for this season. Joe Burrow leaves immediately. They come back next year, and Dwayne Haskins is the starting quarterback. And Tate Martell is like, "That guy's only one year older than me. What am I doing?" And Tate Martell leaves too. Uh, I think that could happen, especially if you sense heat from behind. Yeah, it depends. Like if Emory Jones is in the mix, that because yeah, if you have, if you guy chances. if you have a guy who's starting in front of you who's only one year older than you, and you have a guy who is going to have to wait two years just like you to get your shot, then by the time your real competition to be the starter comes up, you are on even footing with the guy that's younger than you too. Unless you think that... And I, I mean, feel like part of it is you have to think you're the best. That's the whole... You, the thing that I don't understand, and I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think you have to have a specific mindset of how good you are to even sign to, into that situation. They know what they're signing into. So sometimes I think we're a little bit quick to say, hey, punt and transfer. Tate Martell was not 
unaware of the quarterback situation when he signed here, was he? I think they think they know what they're signing into, but they still think, ah, whatever. I'll beat him out. I don't think anyone in that quarterback room thought JT Barrett was going to be back this year. Dwayne Haskins in Phoenix said, I don't think he's coming back, basically. And was probably trying to will that to happen because he knew what the deal was if JT did come back. Let me ask, remember, who? so didn't Kyle Allen go to Texas A&M? Yeah. And wasn't there another guy who was really good who went to Texas A&M? Kyler Murray. And didn't they both transfer? They yeah. did. And then, like, Texas A&M ended up playing the guy from Oklahoma who had transferred there, Trevor Knight or whatever. Like, I'm just saying, and then they ended up playing the kid who had been at Texas one of them at is TCU, a, Kenny the Thrill. Kenny Trill. Yeah. He ended up at, like, so all I'm saying is, like, this, like, sounds crazy on one hand, but on the other hand, like, four- and five-star quarterbacks transferring because they don't play is, like, not at all crazy. It happens all the time. Yeah. It happens. At, didn't Alabama lose, like, five in, like, the last three years? I mean, Alabama, it's like Alabama had a guy. Wait. Jacob Coker, who was a starter for Alabama, was at Alabama because Jameis Winston was better than him at Florida State. Yes, and he left. And didn't he leave immediately? And then didn't? And then Alabama, I thought Alabama last year had a quarterback competition. Are you coming up with an entire series of comparing Ohio State's? They had like. Jalen Hurts like won the quarterback job, and the guy who lost, lost the job Bateman. left. Cooper Bateman left. Yeah. Didn't he leave immediately? Uh-huh. And where'd he go? I have no idea. It's too hard to keep track of. But he left. It's like they had a competition in the fall camp. The younger guy won, and the older guy left. Yeah. Right? Didn't Cooper Bateman, like, start the first game and then transfer? I think so, yeah. All right, you guys talk while I look. It's a whole convoluted mess at Alabama, which is on the table for Ohio State beyond this season, I guess. It's a good series comparing Ohio State's quarterback situation in the future to similar situations that happened at other places in the past and what can you expect based off of the other things. Everybody's their own individual person, but it's still a relevant discussion to kind of analyze other situations and kind of apply them to the same situation here. Yeah. The thing, uh, the thing I have I w- a series called The QB Room. Ooh. Should we change huh? our podcast to The QB Room? I think... Um, when we initially talked about this this topic of conversation, I wondered if people would bring up 2015 and the fact that like no one left, like Cardell came back, JT was here, Joe Burrow was here as a freshman, right? And like mm-hmm. they all kind of stuck it out, and Collier was here, and they all kind of stuck it out. Is that proof that Urban Meyer has some sort of quarterback magic where he can keep a quarterback room that's that talented intact? But Braxton switched positions. Who was going to make that more complicated? Right, and then. Burrow wasn't in the picture because he was too young. Burrow and Collier weren't really in the picture, and so it was basically. But he was on the team with the understanding that Cardell is a starter, JT's not. So that means JT's coming back next year, right? But as you said, but Joe Burrow back then was maybe more in Kenny Guyton mode, yeah. Than than what he has maybe proven to be now. I don't know. I I feel like it's possible that if Dwayne Haskins wins this, that Joe Burrow and Tate Martell now, like if Burrow is the guy next year. Because then there, there's a two-year gap between Burrow and Martell. So to me, it's like if, if Burrow would win the job and be the starter in 2018, and then maybe Haskins would think about leaving, then, then I opens don't think the that's door as likely Martell. for Martell yeah. to leave. He but would then well Martell, if he's waiting the two years, like I said, though, will now be in an imaginary. It's not like he's going to walk into the job. I think a lot of times in the thing right. that this does, what Ohio State's doing is it eliminates the idea of the natural – evolution of the position where you're on the team and well you've been on the team the longest so you're next up right if there's a two-year gap between the starter and martell 
That means that Martell has to wait two years potentially to start. And that means that Henry Jones will have been on the on the roster for a year and a half, and he'll have it in a whole, regardless of where, he's going to have to beat out the other one. And nobody's changed in position, right? Because we were like having this conversation last year, and Torrance Gibson was in the mix. And then Torrance Gibson became a receiver and then became not a Buckeye. No, I don't think there's anyone as a candidate. I mean, I feel like Tate Martell looked pretty good in the spring game when he caught off. Tate Martell be a pretty solid defensive end. Do you know JT Barrett played H back in high school? Really? He said that's the first time I caught a pass since my sophomore year of high school when I was an H back. Sounds like a story. Yeah, we were at his high school once. Um, okay, so I mean, I think it's I think it's going to get complicated, but it's like not complicated. Is there any part of this that's and we'll end on this and then we'll get the frozen pizza? God, Is there wait. any part of this that's bad? Now, there's one thing is the perspective of the kids who are just trying to play college football. These are their lives and their careers, and they only get one shot at this. Ohio State, as a monolithic program and university, exists on its own and runs people through and has been doing it for more than 100 years. So Ohio State's, in the end, going to be fine regardless. So in the totality of the whole thing, is any part of this bad? No, I don't think so. I think there's um, a misunderstanding of like people that are – people- Assuming or even wanting there to be some sort of animosity among guys who are battling for a starting job the way that these guys will be, I don't think that exists. It's the most popular and question. As, and as long as that doesn't exist, it's not a problem. Because Ohio State in the end is going to end up with a good quarterback. Someone might leave, but you still have a good quarterback, and you're recruiting good quarterbacks. It's a pretty good situation for Ohio State. And they don't all hate each other in the moment, so there's not going to be any sort of rift in the quarterback room in the time between. I agree. Okay. Frozen pizza. <laughs> Why? Finally, we get to the good stuff. Sorry, you guys had to wait fifty-six minutes to hear the good stuff. Why do you hate frozen pizza? I don't hate frozen pizza. I love frozen pizza. But I, but you, you, you were very dismissive of frozen pizza because you were like, you have to go out and buy the frozen pizza right. when you can have piping hot Domino's delivered to your door. And to that, to me, you seem dismissive of the idea of frozen pizza. I will go to the grocery store to buy groceries for the week or for the next few days. And I will regularly buy frozen pizzas. How many? Never more than one at a time, ever. Because, because of freezer I, space or because of what? Because I just don't Are want you buying personal pies or, or full large? Yeah, like the size, it's, a, it's a universal size of frozen pizza, no, it's isn't not. it? No. No way. You can the get size of a DiGiorno pizza, I feel like, yeah, is the normal. Talking, well, that's what I mean. Now we're talking brands. No, no, no. But I'm saying that the size of a DiGiorno pizza, I would think, and Tony's and Red Baron and Freshetta and all the other types of pizzas, I think, is universally that size. I disagree. You can I get the one that's equivalent to a large. Okay. Okay. So for multiple people. Yeah, I mean. But we've all eaten a whole fucking pizza. We're not here to cast. Like I told Bill, every pizza is a personal pizza if you try hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> So, so, <laughs> so, I, and like, and I will go to the store, and if I'm already out and I'm grocery shopping and it's there and I'm deciding what I'm gonna have for dinner at the grocery store, I have no problem buying a frozen pizza and making that for dinner. When I say there's no better thrill than ordering pizza and waiting the 30 minutes because it was a last second decision that was probably detrimental to your personal health, I find that to be exciting. I don't need DiGiorno to blindside me. And fool me with trickery, and then strike my throat with the when it's in the fifteen percent or in the in the oven fifteen minutes. That's not the point. And my, as far as I'm concerned, ordering a pizza and having frozen to pizza are completely different meals. 
Yeah, it's a different food. And I think that it's crazy to me that DiGiorno, as I said earlier in the podcast, tries to market itself as a replacement for the delivery when your purpose is not to replace delivery. It is to be there when you want pizza and somebody's frozen. And you're, and you're not better. You're not supposed to be better. It's fine. You're still good. Your purpose is not to replace them. If I want to order a pizza, there's nothing you're going to do. And they try to, like, add in, like, bake cookies and breadsticks in the same yeah. box and try to do all these things that, like, I don't see Domino's cheesy bread anywhere in that frozen aisle. So that's the only thing of, like, that wasn't my point, DiGiorno. And then you came in trying to plug your crappy pizza. Because I'd never buy a DiGiorno. Because it's and awful. It's not good. You're awful, DiGiorno. I, I, I'd like to jump in and say, I don't think DiGiorno is awful. It's terrible. I mean, I would eat it. <laughs> of course. There's not one pizza in the frozen aisle if you made it in my oven that I would not eat. So let's put it that way. I have never met a pizza that was inedible. Have you? Yeah. Probably. Probably not. I got served a pizza pizza made with American cheese one time. Really? Yeah. How's that even possible? It's in a bowling alley. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. bowling alley okay. pizza is, again, another whole podcast. Uh, and by the way, now that we're talking about bowling alleys, I just wanted to interject. Uh, my father, the great Bob Wasserman... His theory is you can never find a better burger than in a bowling alley anywhere. Better burger? He's a bowling alley, bowling alley burger man. I trust him. The man goes to bowling alleys to eat burgers. And, and not does bowl? Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Dad. Okay, so... And now you can see where my sickness comes from. <laughs> so you will eat a frozen... The, the thing that I think is, is hard for frozen pizzas, a lot of the frozen pizzas now are like seven or eight bucks yeah. for a frozen pizza. They're not all five bucks. Like yeah, and you're getting into the range where the 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 Domino's or whatever is not that much more expensive, and it's basically the same size, and it's obviously better. So the frozen pizza is fighting an uphill like, battle. My favorite frozen pizza is Red Baron Pizza. Have you ever had that? Yeah, that surprises me. And I get the three cheese classic crust, nothing cute, and it's three fifty. Okay. And 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 it's a large. I eat that thing. I'm stuffed. And there is a certain time and place. And by the way, another thing is I get a frozen pizza um, for my dinner. I always get like a frozen appetizer, like boneless wings or mozzarella sticks or potato skins or something you can put in. Maybe some curly fries. Something that you can put in the microwave and eat while it's baking. Always. I was going to ask if you like cut up some fresh veg to eat as a side. And I've never in my – and like like, I've seen – The answer is no. Uh, yeah, fresh. Yeah, I have broccoli as I'm waiting for my 3,000 calorie pie to come out of the oven. I've seen people order frozen pizza, and my dad's done this before, and I found it to be kind of off putting. Order a get a cheese pizza that's frozen, and then put your own toppings on it. I don't think that meshes well. He puts his own extra cheese on there and stuff, and it's just like yeah, I don't, I don't fresh like mozzarella it. on frozen mozzarella doesn't mesh well. Um, but I think there's a perfectly great place, and if you like DiGiorno, I don't hate you for it. I love you for it. I just don't I like how DiGiorno thinks that they are like the official replacement. It's two separate categories of uh, – it's almost a different type of food. I That's my only gripe with it. I like frozen pizza. I love bagel bites. I like Hot Pockets. I like all that crap. But it's just not the same thing as ordering a large Domino's that either has cheesy bread with it or the, the stuff that you get at a, at a pizza place. And I think they should stop pretending and change their entire marketing slogan. And I think they might hit home better, literally. Do you got – I don't know how much longer we want to talk about frozen pizza, but I'm just – Not just, much longer. Okay. I'm just curious on personal preference. You guys both say – if I say to you I'm going to get a frozen pizza, you assume that I'm going to get a frozen pizza that could reasonably feed four people. 
Yes. At, at my house, we will have a frozen pizza for dinner and the four of us eat. That's unbelievable. Are you kidding me? How could you possibly feed four Cause people? Because it's the same size as normal pizza. I don't want to go down okay. that road. I don't want to go down <laughs> okay. that road. I'm just like... But I would not think that. And I wonder how many – like when I, you say to me frozen – there's three kinds of frozen pizza that I like. Personal pizzas. I like Mama Celeste brand frozen pizza. I do not like It's Mama like four Celeste. slices. It's okay. It's not the best. I don't know that I've ever pizza. had it. You know what you're signing up for. I don't even know what that is. Stouffer's French bread pizza is the best. Good. And then I don't know – But that's microwavable pizza. What's that? You, you can't the microwave, microwave you put pizza. It in the microwave you're a moron. You do a little bit in the microwave, then you put it in the toaster. Anything's microwave. You ever had bagel bites before, my friend? And then the third is, and I don't know if I, Elio's or Elio. I say Elio's. I think maybe you say Elio's. It's just a square frozen pizza. But Shoprite, and I don't even know if they have Shoprites in Ohio, but they have them in Philly. Makes its own version of an Elio style pizza that has more of a crust on it, and it's just a square pizza, three slices. It's the best. The homemade, the store made. So everything that you're saying then from every frozen pizza that you order, if you ate the whole frozen pizza, that wouldn't be an absurd size That's a meal for one person. I think go to wherever and buy something that is a full-size frozen pizza is garbage. Really? Okay, that's weird. I think it's garbage food. Because I've never never bought a frozen pizza outside of the French bread that you, if you ate the whole thing, wouldn't be considered excessive. I think every time I get frozen pizza, I get the... Get one where if I were to eat the whole thing, it would be excessive. So you eat like five and then throw the rest away? Or do you eat the whole thing? What I do is I eat as much as I can and then I lay on my couch and fall asleep for an hour and then I wake up and then eat the rest. You guys know this, right? It's like a well-known I've never brand. seen that before in my I life. I, I, I'm, really, I'm not really familiar with that. I don't that. know if that was an East Coast thing or if it's a well-known national brand. But it's just square frozen pizza and it's enough for one man to eat. The thing that's hard for me is that... So it's like we, we get like California Pizza Kitchen sometimes. We do get DiGiorno. There's one that we get that I can't remember the name of it. It's really, it's really good. The, the, um, the CPK one that is the Italian one with the three meats on it's really good for a frozen pizza. But a lot of them, they're more expensive than a $5 Little Caesars. 100%. And that is hard for me to get my head around. Like if you go – and you know what else I've gotten? And you know what? You can just – they can shut it off if they're disinterested. Who cares how long we yeah, go at this the, point? The already, football talk ended. You're not yeah, you can, yeah, so you can go if you want. But I know you guys are into it. I have ordered or I have bought um, frozen Geno's East before. Yeah, no, we, I've done that. And I think that those are actually – it's not nearly as good. First of all, Geno's East is the worst of the Chicago pizzas to begin with. But I think that it is – if you get a frozen Geno's East pizza at the at a Kroger and you make it here, I think you get the taste and the experience that you're looking for when you have that craving. Yeah, I agree with that. It's good enough to get you through. And, it, and I think that it, it – Replicates the Chicago style feeling that you would get if you were, at and they and they those are personal size, so you can get one. Oh, they're not big. No. They're like nine dollars, and like if you ate, I feel like if you ate the whole thing by yourself, you would feel just as as full as if you ate a whole Red Baron by yourself because they're thick. Mm-hmm. But they come in a box that like you could hold in your hand, no problem, like underneath your hand. Yeah, and okay. not feel as fat as you are by eating. I've done like the, the take home, like go to Giordano's half pizza, but then take frozen frozen Giordano's yeah. pizza home with you. I've never done that before. That's good. No, that's good. My dad once ordered uh, Giordano's from Chicago to Phoenix. Yeah. And it came in Freeze blue dry. or uh, dry ice, and he made it. And I think he messed it up because he didn't leave it in long enough. It's impatient. Uh, but it was actually pretty good from what I remember. Yeah, we've had friends do that for us. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, again, if it's better than nothing. Like if you're Jones and yeah. for the Chicago style. But let me just wrap up. <laughs> In conclusion. In conclusion, frozen pizza, I love you. I think you're good. I think you have a role, and you'll always have a role in my life. You're just not the replacement for delivery. And that's that's the entire premise of the discussion I was trying to have with the DiGiorno man who attacked me. The nameless, faceless DiGiorno Twitter man. 
But I will say the thing the thing that I have a harder time with is and you live in the more in the city, so it's maybe more of a pain. I will not pay for delivery pizza. I will go out and get it every time. I will never go get it. But how much is the de- like? There's a delivery charge plus the tip, right? It's five, four yeah. or five bucks, and that is probably the entire price of a frozen one. So that is not worth it to me. But I have a Domino's in my suburb that's literally a mile from my house that I can go. So I don't want to pay five extra bucks for them to come a mile. But you. I would rather go and leave my house for six minutes, get the pizza myself, and save the See, money. See, the, the thing that I find fascinating about going to pick up uh, carryout is the battle isn't so much about how far the drive is as much as it is as putting shoes on, getting up, and walking to your car. I think once you're in your car, you've beat the system. But my favorite my favorite pizza in Columbus, and I know that you have your opinions of it, is Massey's. No Massey's delivers here, so guess what? I don't ever eat it. If I could deliver, I eat Domino's at least twice a month, 12 times a month, depending on the time of year. I love and would prefer Massey's over Domino's every single time, but I get Domino's every single time because the Domino's is convenient. Your aversion to leaving your couch. Or my house or to make a thing out of it. I just want to continue either writing or watching TV or whatever it is that I'm doing, not be bothered and just walk to my front door and get it. And the $5 isn't so much about the how much money you're spending in relation to what you could get for a frozen pizza. I'm paying that $5 as a convenience to not have to do something I don't feel like doing. Right. I would, but if you, and I would never go to the grocery store if I was just at home to buy a frozen pizza specifically to bring it back. Like DiGiorno suggested. People say you should have six in your fridge. Well, if I had six in my fridge then I'd have three a day until it's gone, I can't control myself. So I only get one at a time. I feel like this is going to end with DiGiorno sending you free pizza. I think that they're pretty upset with me because I said publicly that Red Baron kills them. You said like homicide. Like homicide. I feel like Red Baron's going to send you free pizza now. They should. It's my favorite pizza ever. And in my dorm room, I had the inflatable Red Baron plane hanging from the ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) You know the little propeller plane, you know, that's on the box? It was in my dorm room. (laughs) Actually, if you could get me one of those planes, I would hang it up in my grown man apartment too. If I knew how to hang things. That was a lot of frozen pizza talk. That was yeah. That was interesting though. I I'm gonna say that the frozen pizza talk was more interesting than the football talk. Hey, did you know Red Baron makes I, breakfast pizzas? I do. Really? I've never had one. According oh. to Google, yeah. Breakfast. I the football talk was pretty good today. It was good, but it's good. Nothing's yeah. better than eating. And I had my first breakfast experience, breakfast pizza experience with you guys. We were going to an away football game when we were at the airport, and Donato's had a breakfast pizza at yeah. the airport. Rocking. I thought it was awesome. They should sell... But they only do that, I think, at the airport. Like, if you could get breakfast pizza delivered, I would do that. I think breakfast pizza is an awesome invention and not utilized enough. Next week, we could talk about breakfast pizza. I think Doug's already nervous with the amount of pizza talk we've had. Let's wrap it up. All right, wrap it up, Doug. I feel like... Yeah. I feel like the, the fast food talk is better than the frozen pizza. But I can't... I'm, fast I'm, food is too many, is, has, has way more layers to it. Yeah. There's a lot of layers. And I think next week on Buckeye Talk, we should all assemble our perfect fast food meal. Best burger, best nuggets, best fries, and then Ooh. put it all together in, on one plate. And if you're on death row, you get one fast food meal, but you can have them pick it up at eight different places. I could assemble the best meal a man could ever have. I was thinking that we I should I know something do, that's on there. A podcast that is like 
five most I would say like five most dangerous Buckeyes like that would scare you on the football field and like five most dangerous fast foods that like you can't help yourself from eating or five best Buckeyes five best fast foods it depends how much we want to integrate because well it's impossible to do the I will not rank individual fast food restaurants because I think no not restaurants the meat the food food itself Food items. The yeah. most dangerous. I can't stay away from them. I'm addicted to them. One through five, filet fish No, I knew. I knew it was going to be this. Like, number one, Nick Bosa. Number one, filet fish <laughs> All right, that's it. That's Buckeye Talk. That's Frozen Food Talk. That's Fast Food Talk. That's DiGiorno Talk. DiGiorno, you can tweet at him. Don't your tweet move. to us. It's your move. Bill Landis, at, at Bill Landis 25 at Doug Lane Maurice. And again, all frozen food-related tweets should be directed to at Ari Wasserman. You can find our coverage of – we don't write about food. We only talk about food, but we do write about football. That's at cleveland.com slash OSU. You can subscribe to this on iTunes. Look for Buckeye Talk. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Um, and we appreciate you guys listening. Again, the spring game is over. High State football is over. But we are talking to assistant football coaches Wednesday. We'll have coverage off of that for the next couple of uh, days. And uh, we have our videos coming out. Um, up until the NFL NFL draft, which starts on Thursday, the 27th. We'll be talking about where we would draft the eight Buckeyes who are eligible for the draft. So look for that. So again, for Ari Wasserman and Bill Landis, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.